Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and hopefully enjoying your start to spring um, as I am and looking forward to Christmas. Isn't that terrible? Christmas is only how many weeks away? Um, and if you're probably like me, you don't want to think about it too much, but other than a little bit of a break, but hasn't the market been quite interesting of late? And I know a lot of people have been really unsure of what to do with their portfolios and how to manage it. And if you've been watching the live show that I do on YouTube every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Daylight Savings Time. If you've been watching that, you know uh, for, a, for a few weeks I was talking about um, portfolio construction, risk, um, position sizing, a whole range of different things. So I thought I'd do a bit of a podcast about it and really sort of explain a little bit about where some of that actually came from. And, um, and it really is more from what they call modern portfolio theory. But before we go back to that, it's a, I want to make this podcast more about returns because a lot of people don't really understand returns. And, you know, it's easy to say I buy something for a dollar and sell it for $2 and I've made 100%. But that's not really portfolio returns. You know, that's a, an individual unit of a return from, let's say, you know, buying a pen for a dollar and selling it for $2. That's your markup. It's a dollar. That's your profit. Um, in terms of a stock, if you buy it from $1 to $2 on that stock, you've made $1. But what are the costs associated with that? You know, your brokerage, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not really your return. And a lot of people do that, but then we've got other types of returns depending on whether you're looking at, you know, time-weighted returns or cash-weighted returns or annualised returns. So how about we have a bit of a chat about that? So before I want to go into that, there's an actual global industry or global um, performance standard, and it's called GIPS. So obviously we have you know, the GIPS system um, in terms of stocks in ranking stocks, not ranking stocks, uh, in terms of classification of stocks into sectors. Um, but this one is actually Global Investment Performance Standards. Now, how's that for a nice big long acronym? Um, and these are, how do I, they're voluntary standards, but they've come up with, or not they've come up with it, the Chartered Financial Analyst Institute, or uh, some people may be aware of people called CFAs or Chartered Financial Analysts. There's not, then we're not talking about necessarily an accountant or a CPA. We're talking about a, a Chartered Financial Analyst, and so it's another extra level of study on top of being an accountant or somebody with a commerce degree. And uh, the institute came up with the global investment professional or performance standards and that's really what they're about and basically those standards were about 
I suppose, in short, how do you compare one managed funds to the next? And I know a lot of people get confused about that because people say to me, oh, I want this fund because it's got the best return or I want that fund because it's got the best return. Or, And really, how do you pick it? And we see the returns. Now, these are voluntary in terms of whether institutions um, comply with that. They're voluntary. They don't have to do that. Um, and it's not set in stone. But then ASIC is looking at returns and making sure people are really, or not people, um, institutions are transparent because the whole idea is about you as an individual understanding if you're comparing fund A to fund B, what does it mean? If fund A's got 8% and and fund B's got 10%, you need to be able to rely on it saying, well, fund B's done 10%, so I should go over there. But is that really the case? And this is where the um, investment performance standards comes in. And it should be apples with apples, not apples with pears or something else. So how do you compare one managed fund against another and is what you're looking at fair and transparent so what is the methodology for it and do you understand that methodology and how do you compare that with somebody else now we do see funds reporting on a yearly basis and sometimes three years face sometimes five year basis and they switch around to suit themselves for example after the gfc you know the one year return was terrible but the five year return was really good because you had the four years prior to the gfc didn't you their five-year return was what they were pushing, not the one-year return. They kept the one-year return disappeared. But five years after the GFC, so after the March 2008 low, so now we're talking about 2013, you started seeing five-year returns again. Because for a period there, you didn't see them after with the GFC. You didn't you didn't see the one-year return for a little bit. Then you didn't see the five-year return for a little bit. Then you're you back to being... From March 2009, you're starting to see the one-year's return and two-year's return and three-year's return, but eventually you started seeing the five-year return. So there's that sort of, dare I say, manipulation on them with the figures. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to look at a managed fund and go, how do they calculate this? Do I understand that? And then how do I compare it against somebody else? And that's really what today's a little bit about. Now, we all, we've all we heard about port, modern portfolio theory, or maybe uh, you haven't, but anybody in the industry, such as myself, well, I don't call myself somebody in the industry, even though I'm a fund manager, but I am in the financial services industry as part of what I do. We've all heard about modern portfolio theory, and I talk about it in my book, and I actually go into it in a lot more detail in my course, The Diploma of Share Trading Investment. Because whilst I understand it to a degree, I don't understand it intently, but what I understand is enough to understand that some of it's great and some of it's not that great. But even Markowitz came out uh, on him uh, and afterwards, after he came up with his theory saying, disproving some of it. Um, but uh, in the modern, in, or in our industry, modern portfolio theory, theory was actually developed by a gentleman called Harry Markowitz. And he published it under the title Portfolio Selection in uh, 1952 in the Journal of Finance. Now, modern portfolio theory pretty much says that it's not enough to look at the expected risk and return of a particular stock. So if you're buying BHP, and this is how most people look at the market, is they look at whatever stock they're looking at and go, hmm, what am I going to make out of this stock? But most people don't consider the other side of it. What am I risking by taking that stock? And that's really why I want to get into this. Is all too often on the YouTube channel, people go, what about this stock? Have a look at this stock, Dale. Have a look at this stock. And, oh, Dale, this stock's cheap. Should I buy it now? And that's just looking at the stock itself with the hope of how much it's going to make. Or I've heard this is going to be great. How much is it going to make me? And that's what, uh, in my my last podcast, we're talking about the ASX shareholder survey, how most people or people think returns 
not necessarily risk. And they don't think about what if, what's the downside risk of having this? So they're thinking about getting better returns all the time. And by doing that, they're not looking at both sides. You need to look at risk and return and not just of one particular stock. Now, Markowitz talks about investing in more than one stock. An investor can reap the benefits of diversification. And this is really where the industry pushes diversification, modern portfolio theory. But this is where I start to disagree with what the industry does, because what the industry does is it makes it better for them less volatile for you, so you bring up less. Um, and then pretty much it's all ships rise on the same boat. So that's over-diversification. If you're just averaging the market, then you're not diversifying correctly. You just take on the risk of the market. And uh, for those people who've read my book, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, it's if by investing in more than one stock, you can get diversification. And I 100% agree with that. Now, amongst them is reduction of the risk of the portfolio. So when you diversify, you're reducing the risk of the portfolio or in the portfolio, sorry. But you're also reduce, reducing the risk of your capital because you're splitting risk across multiple stocks. Now, modern portfolio theory really does um, quantify the benefit of diversification um, because we've all been told, don't ever put all your eggs in one basket, haven't we? We've always said, you know, don't just invest in one thing. Don't put all your money. And I'm dealing with a gentleman right now, I believe, who's on my um, trading mentor course, our beginner's trading course. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's called trading, Your Trading Mentor. I support every student on that one, and I'm the one that's supporting you. I'm your mentor. So for under $2,000, I reckon that's pretty dirt cheap when you can emailing me and asking me things but he had a huge risk on his portfolio because he put a lot of chunk of his money his capital into one i won't say speculative stock but very highly volatile stock and yes he was super lucky and he did really well out of it but then he sold out some of that after realizing what he was doing um, but he's still holding a big chunk of that now to me that same stock and i won't mention the stock has been falling quite heavily over the last few months and to me why would you hold it you should have just sold out because the risk of holding it you're losing you're losing it right now he's losing the profit he made on whatever he sold but he's also losing profit on the stuff he kept on the, the actual shares he kept in that stock so to me that's very very high risk and he wasn't aware of that he was just looking at the return and in this case it's been profitable for him but the next time it may not be if he doesn't learn from that. And that's how a lot of people invest. So what we're looking at here is most people are looking at the what risk, not necessarily risking what they're doing, but they're looking at returns all of the time. So, and as Markowitz says, it's not enough to just look at the expected return of a particular stock. We need to look at it by the risk. Now, investing in more, we can get that diversification. So what is risk and what is return? Now, and what we need to do is get what is the, um, an average return. Now, most people I talk to, actually not every single person I talk to, doesn't want an average return. Every person I've ever asked this question, do you want to beat the market or be get the market? And 100% of the time, people say to me, I want to get a better return than the market. And if you do that, if you want that, then you cannot average the market. You can't diversify so much that you average the market, which is my biggest issue with exchange-traded funds, uh, for people who understand what I talk about. If you get an indexed exchange-traded fund, you might as well just turn your toes up and forget about things because all you're going to get is market average, but you are better than market average. I know you do because that's what you tell me. And you can't get better than market average when you get the market. And if you think you're getting better diversification, 
ADA getting an exchange-traded fund that's mirroring the Australian All Ordinary News Index, then again, you're doing the wrong thing because you're not. You're in one single stock or exchange-traded fund with one price quoted on the exchange. Yeah, they give you the exposure to the market, but that's still one stock. If the market goes down, that specific risk on that, that particular ETF sees your whole portfolio go down. So I wouldn't, and people are putting a big chunk of their money in one ETF or two ETFs, again, against modern portfolio theory. You need to diversify yourself. You can't just hold an ETF and think you're diversified. You are not. You have very high specific risk. If the market crashes, you lose your money or your, your ETF falls out of bed, basically. And that's really what I'm talking about. So what is the risk and what risk are you taking when you buy a stock or ETF? And what most people are looking at is, will the return be lower than what I expect? And what we mean by that is most investors go, I want to buy BHP because I'm going to make this much money, or I want to buy Westpac or Commonwealth Bank or Cochrane or whatever the stock is because they're thinking of how much money they're going to make. But they're also the risk they think they're taking is, well, what if I don't get that? That's what the risk is they're taking. But they often don't think, or most people don't think about, well, what if it goes below my buy price? And they're not thinking about that risk either. Um, and so what they're looking at is just the return they're going to get rather than that um, deviation from that and what the risk is. Now, a risk in portfolio of a diversified portfolio and the risk in terms of individual stock get, reduces the more you hold. Uh, and as I talk about in my book, if you hold two stocks, you halved your risk and three stocks is in thirds and four stocks is in quarters and five stocks, it's in, you're now at 20% risk of losing your money in any one. If you put all your money over five stocks, one of those goes broke, you lose 20% of your capital. That's what we're talking about here. So the more you diversify across more stocks, the lower that risk is. But then there's a balance. And again, in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, I do talk about that and show you how not to over-diversify because as soon as you do that, you take on the market. And when you take on the market, you get market risk and you get market returns. And that's exactly what you don't want. You actually want to get better than the market risk. So, but if you hold a couple of stocks and they're both high risk stocks, for example, like this gentleman I mentioned did, and they're both lower cap, higher risk, more volatile stocks. What risk are you taking? That's what most investors don't look at. So you've got to balance out your risk. And this is, again, what I talk about in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, is how do I lay the foundations to have a solid risk return? What's taking on enough risk, but also protecting my downside risk? And how do I manage all that and spread my diversification in my portfolio so I do it right? Uh, so that one or two stock don't adversely affect the risk in the portfolio, I put it to an unacceptable level. Now, because if you have two stocks in a, and two risky stocks in a portfolio, and that's all you've got your money in, then you are very, very high risk. But if you uh, spread that out over multiple stocks in a responsible way, and looking at different levels of stock being something a bit higher risk and higher return to something that's a bit slower, lower risk and lower return, you're going to get a good balance overall, uh, and we need to do that. Now, Market, uh, Markowitz, if I can say his name correctly, he said he showed that investments are not just about picking stocks. I'll say that again. Markowitz showed that investment is not just about picking stocks, but about choosing the right combination of stocks among which to distribute your capital. And I'm constantly saying to that to people on our YouTube channel, it's not about which stock you're going to pick. 
It's the process you take. And I'll say that again here. It's not about any individual stock you might pick. And this is what a lot of people are doing. They're going out there, reading newspapers, chat forums, you name it. They see YouTube and somebody goes, here's the hottest stocks you'll ever buy in your life. And they're going to be a buy tomorrow. People will watch that video buy the stocks because they think, hey, that's got to be good. But without any consideration to the risk they're taking in their portfolio, how they're managing their portfolio and that process to take. And that's far more important than any one stock you might buy. And I'll say it again, Markowitz showed that investment is not just about picking stocks, but about choosing the right combination of stocks for you to put your capital in. So diversifying correctly, and that's really what it is. So for a well-diversified portfolio, you're looking for the risk, and you're looking for a deviation to the mean, and the mean is the market, because the market is the average of all of the stocks in it. So in the All Ordinance Index, there's 500 stocks, and we're looking to deviate from that mean, because otherwise you just buy an ETF, and that's the mean. The ETF will average the mean, but it's even proven an index ETF can't average the market. They generally underperform the market. So what you want to do is overperform, outperform the market. So that's why you, why the diversification into individual shares and, the, and building that portfolio correctly, as I teach, will get you far better returns. In fact, the returns that people are getting from following my book is phenomenal at the moment. Absolutely phenomenal. But if you, when what you need to do is look at the risk that every single stock puts into your portfolio and look at it in terms of how much risk and return it's likely to get. Um, and what you need to do is look at the covariance between individual stocks or levels of risk that determines your overall portfolio risk. Now, it starts to get too complicated when you're looking at overall portfolio risk. But this is also why I suggest you use stop losses. But what we find is investors benefit from holding a diversified portfolio instead of individual stocks. So what we're saying is don't buy one or two stocks in the portfolio because you, invariably you're going to choose different stocks. Uh, sorry, not different, wrong stocks, meaning you're just going to buy think what you think is going to make a lot of money, but you're not looking at that risk. So if you have a diversified portfolio, you're protecting yourself better, you're going to get better returns, and you're going to make your life a lot less stressful. But what does covariance mean? That's a big, big word, actually. Um, well, pretty much covariance is... It's the degree to which returns on two risky assets move in tandem. So what we mean by that is if you've got two stocks that are risky and they're both moving together and that's up, let's say BHP and Rio, then you have a positive covariance because they're both moving together. But if you have them, one moving up, one moving down, that's a negative covariance because they're moving inverse to each other. And this is where I also disagree with modern portfolio theory, how the industry and advisors work with that is that what they do is they say, you know, index invest, not index, sorry, sector invest. They put more money, balance your, your portfolio across different sectors because one sector will be rising, one sector will be going down, one might be going sideways or two sectors going up. So what they're looking at is what's going down is being offset by what's going up and those going sideways don't contribute to your portfolio at all. But to me, I'm thinking, well, why would I hold stuff that's going down? Because that's taking the profits from what's going up. And that's why, as I was saying with this um, understanding covariance, I want stocks, they're all moving in tandem or a positive covariance. I don't want any negative covariance in my portfolio at all because that will suck your portfolio returns down into a lower level and also get you average because if you own the market 
it's not possible that all stocks in the market are going up at all times and people with portfolios of 20 and 30 stocks, at least one third are going up, one third are going down and one third are doing nothing for periods of time. And as I say, just get rid of the one third going down and you'll do a hell of a lot better. So, But for every level of return, there's a portfolio that offers you the lowest possible risk for every level of risk that you might have. And there's a portfolio that will get you good or highest returns for you that you're wanting. And that's understanding who you are and what your risk profile is, what your tolerance to risk is, how much time you've got available, um, and what returns you're trying to get. But returns are the last thing on my mind. It's about trading well and it's about investing well. And the returns will come. When the market's really bullish, you'll get a higher return. When the market's really bearish, you won't get big losses. And that's really how we talk about portfolio construction. And as I said, a lot of that is in my book on how to construct a portfolio. So if you haven't bought my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, it's your money, your choice. Get into the local bookstore for 30 bucks. You're going to get your answers. And you'll be able to manage your portfolio better. You'll have less time managing your portfolio, have less stress in your portfolio, have less risk in your portfolio if you do it, because you won't get caught in stocks going down. You'll be in stocks going up. You'll have some volatility in your portfolio to get better returns, outperform the marketplace, but you won't have too much volatility that you'll get sleepless nights. And that's really how it should be. All too often I find investors look at different reports, media, brokers, reports, chat forums, whatever else, and they pick stocks that are totally incongruent for for their level of knowledge, the time they've got available. And all they're looking at is that greed factor of trying to get the biggest return. So don't do that because you will get bitten. And when you get bitten, it sucks the life out of your portfolio and the returns you get. And that's why the majority of investors get average to poor returns. That's why they end up going back to the managed funds because at least they get an average return of the market. Whereas I can guarantee you 100% certainty that if you follow the rules in the book, you will outperform the market. You will. There's no doubt in my mind, and I've, been, I've said that in my first book back from the early 2000s, and people are still continually following that and still baking better returns, even with the GFC, all the way through the GFC and since then, and they're making better returns. Surely you deserve that. So go into the bookstore, ask for Accelerate Your Wealth, It's Your Money, Your Choice by Dale Gillum, and um, read it and then follow it. It's pretty simple. But that's it for me on portfolio returns and risk. Um, hope you've enjoyed my podcast. If you'd like me to talk about a subject, just give me a shoot me an email, info at wealthwithin.com.au. That's info at wealthwithin.com.au. I look forward to chatting with you next time. You've been listening, if I can say that correctly, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. As I said, I'm Dale Gilman, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.